Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. One of my best friends is kind of a mentor to me is a guy named Brian. He lives out in Colorado. And um, Brian's about 10 years older than me, so one of the advantages of that is I can always ask him, like, what this next phase of parenting, what this next phase of life is going to be like because he's living it just ahead of me. And uh, a few years ago when I was about to take my oldest son off to college, I asked Brian, I said, what was that like when you took your firstborn, your daughter, off to college? And he said it was was terrible. And I, I said, why? And he said, well, she went to college a couple states away. And I took her, and we drove there, <coughs> or, or we flew there, and I, I dropped her off and, and um, dropped her off at school, and I had a friend pick me up, and he drove me back to the airport to fly back home. He said, uh, from the time I dropped her off to the airport, I just cried the entire way. Um, and, and my friend, he said, my friend was in the car. He said, you know, what's going on, or how are you feeling? And, uh, and Brian made this comment about dropping his firstborn off at college. He said, um, I feel like the best and most important part of my life is now over. Um, and, you know, he said that to me as I'm getting ready to take my firstborn off to college, which didn't, didn't like, lift me up or anything. Uh, but um, I, I, I think I get what he was saying. I'll, you know, I want to, I like, nuance it and argue it and be like, there's a lot of important things you do with your life, and this is just one of them, and, and this is, you know, you still have a life to live, and, you, and he is doing really important and incredible things. Um, but I, but I do get what he was saying. He, he's like, I, I loved being a dad to, to kids in my house, and, um, and to see that come to an end was so painful. Um, and I get that. As a parent myself, I have three boys that are uh, almost 20, 18, and 16. They turn in the next month or so. Um, I, uh, I, I, get, I get the joy of that, um, having kids, uh, raising kids, being on the front row of seeing kids grow up and learn and um, understand God and have their relationships and all of these things, uh, <clears throat> that has been some of the biggest joy of my life, it is biggest source of joy of my life. I, I love that I get to do that. I, I love the opportunity for that. Not everybody gets to do it, and so I feel like it's, a, it's an incredible honor and a privilege to be um, a, a dad to kids. They really are... Uh, fantastic. It's, it's fun, uh, mostly. Um, it, it's great. I also want to say that being a parent is easily one of the biggest challenges of my life. It is very, very difficult. Um, and in, in just in ways that no one can really warn you about or you never really expect. I mean, everyone kind of tells you when you're about to become a parent, but you just don't know what you don't know until you get in there. Um, it is extremely challenging to raise kids uh, in, in probably in the history of the world it's always been. Maybe in today's day and age it's more or less challenging. I don't know. But it, it's challenging. It, and it's challenging in a couple ways. Uh, first, it's physically challenging. Um, even if you're like the kind of person who goes to the gym all the time, you are not ready for toddlers. I don't, like you just, you don't know. Like, and it starts when they're born. There's this like, okay, now you don't sleep. And there's this middle of the night stuff going on that you, you didn't even know middle of the night. You haven't even seen the middle of the night since college. And now you're like, oh, this is rough, you know. And so 
the sleep, the, the, the toddler meltdowns, the, the just, they're physically you know, exhausting, the chasing them around, like put your shoe on and stop hitting your brother and like the whole scene. It's, it, it'll grind you down, man. I, I, I've never been to like a Navy SEAL boot camp, but I've had three kids under the age of five in my house, so I, I got a, a sense of what Hell Week is like. I think I get a little bit. I talked to a guy at church the other day here at the church. They're, they're having their third kid, which is so exciting, but they got three kids. It'll be three kids under the age of three. And yeah, I know. I felt, they said it. I felt like, I, I, it's not even my house. I felt like I had been physically hit when he said it. I was just like, oh, oh, God, ow. Like, that is, it's hard. Kids are physically exhausting, but not just physically. The challenge there isn't just physical. It's, it's emotional, um, especially when they are just a bundle of emotions and hormones. You get to sort of preteen and, and, and teen years. There's just a lot going on there in them, and their emotions are crazy, which makes yours a little crazy. Like, they're not handling theirs well, and consequently, you're not handling yours very well either, you know, and, and there's just a, they, they have a lot that they're going through, the highs and the lows and the excitement and the joy and the anger and the frustration and the pain and the disappointment and the hurt and all of that, and you're in it there with them, and it is a lot in your house, and it's a lot to, uh, to go through, um, and, and, I, and, and that is a, that's a major challenge, and, I, and then I think there's also a challenge, not just the physical challenge of ch- parenting, the emotional challenge, but I think there's a spiritual challenge, um, the world is not always their friend, and if you are trying to disciple your children and raise them up to know the Lord or to follow God or be in a relationship with Him, if you're trying to get your kids to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, those things we talked about in the last series, if you're, if you're endeavoring to do that as a parent, you go, I want to make disciples in my home, the world is not your friend. It is, it is not, it, is, it, it really works against that, and you are sitting there trying to go, like, let me guide you on the narrow path. Please, kids, stay on the narrow, straight path. Follow Jesus, know Jesus, follow him for your life, with your whole life, like you are trying to guide them and, you know, hey, I know there's a temptation to go here or here, but stay on this path. This is hard, and you end up, uh, there's physical, emotional, and I think maybe even spiritual exhaustion that you go through as a parent as you're trying to raise kids to, to know the Lord. Um, why is parenting so hard? Why is it so challenging? I think... Partly it's because it's a high calling from God. It's a big task, raising up children to, to know who they are, to understand who they are, understand who they are in relation to God, um, and passing that on is kind of what parenting is. We talked about that last week. Um, that is a high calling, and it's, and it's big. And so big, big calling, big challenge, there's going to be big challenges with that. Um, we have a, a saying on the wall of our home, or we always used to have this uh, written on the wall. It says, the good stuff is always worth the work it takes. And I believe that's true, but there's a lot of good stuff in parenting, but, and there's a lot of work, and it's worth it, but it's a lot of work. Um, so it's a big job. Last week, we talked about the purpose of parenting. We talked about passing on our faith to kids. That's going to have some big challenges. Let's talk about what those challenges are and maybe how we can overcome them to some degree. We're not going to hit it all today, and I'm not going to talk to you about, you know, getting a child to drop a feeding or nap time or whatever. There are parenting books for that, uh, but there are some bigger picture things we need to talk about and the challenges here. Uh, Paul writes a letter in the New Testament to to a church in Western Turkey. Uh, The church is in the city of Ephesus, which is a pretty wealthy town in the Roman Empire, pretty nice, wealthy town. Um, You can visit it today. It's, you know, less nice, but still has great archaeology, and there's a lot there to see. And um, the... It, but in its day, it was an it it important place. 
And there was a, a brand new group of Christians kind of rising up there in that city and trying to live out their faith amidst the larger sort of pagan Roman culture. And Paul gives some instruction to them about how to submit to one another. And he talks about uh, what it looks like in marriage. And he talks about it in parenting. He talks about it in um, what he calls slaves and masters. We would think of that more like an, an employment situation. But in some of these relationships that we're in at work or in parenting or in spouse with spouses, what does it look like to live out our faith? And, and in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, Paul turns his attention to parents. Listen to what he says. Uh, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, parents, you can just stop there and memorize that, put that up on the fridge. That's all you need. You may not know any Bible verses, but you can get that one. All right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Number two, honor your, verse two, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. All right, the obvious stuff here first. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He doesn't spend a lot of time def defending that statement. He basically assumes it is correct. Like, hey, we all know this is right. This is what children are supposed to do. They're actually supposed to obey their parents. Like, this is part of the deal. Parents know better than you. Their responsibility to keep you alive, safe, help you grow, whatever. Children, you are supposed to obey them and listen to them. But then he, he does connect it with the Ten Commandments. It's actually, honor your father and mother is actually one of the Ten Commandments. It's commandment number five, if you, if you look at the list. And he says here, this is the first commandment with a promise, which I think is really interesting. The commandments... If you think of the Ten Commandments, you could probably name commandments like six, seven, eight, nine. Th those are kind of the famous ones. Are like, "Thou shall not kill," "Shall not commit adultery," "Shall not steal," right? Um, but the fifth commandment, "Honor your father and your mother," uh, actually has a promise attached to it. The others are just, "Hey, don't kill people." Done. That's all. That, we don't need to talk about that more. Just don't do that. The "Honor your father and mother" commandment says basically. Honor your father and mother, and then it's like, if you do, it will go well with you in the land. That, that idea that God will do something if you will do this. There's a promise connected to it. And I think that's a powerful thing. For, for whatever reason, honoring your parents is, God has attached that to flourishing. Um, there's something there. And I always like to point out, the Ten Commandments were not written to children, like little kids. It was actually written to adults. So if you think about this, the command to honor your father and mother from the Ten Commandments applies to all of us, no matter what age our parents are. Now, that's tricky, right? And there's probably a lot we need to work out there. But, and that might be a whole other sermon, but for now, let's just absorb that and go, okay, part of flourishing, part of longevity um, involves honoring uh, the parents that I have, and I need to figure out the best way to do that. And then verse 4, it gets us back into what we talked about last week, the purpose of parenting. Verse 4, again, let me read it to you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, other translations say, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And we want to connect that to the previous verses and just go, well, I mean, if my kids would honor me and obey, if they would do their part, then I won't anger them. Exactly. Like, let's just, you know, they do their part, I'll do mine, fine. And, and I get that. But 
we're still responsible for the part that Paul lays there on us and says, look, it is your role to raise your children up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why it says fathers, not mothers, I don't exactly know. I'm kind of glad it does in a culture, even in today, I'm kind of glad it does make it a pointed thing towards fathers because um, it is easier, I think, in culture for fathers to kind of check out from some of that responsibility. And he goes right there and says, you raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is not your, your, your wife's work or mom's work or whatever. Like, you need to be in on this. Um, and, and, he, and he says, don't provoke your children to anger, okay? That can be very challenging. But I think this highlights a little bit of some of, or points us to some of the challenge that we run into in those relationships in, in parent to child. They don't necessarily obey, and we often provoke them to anger, and we shouldn't, and there's like some, some difficulties in the relationship there. And, and, and so I just want to dig into what a couple of the main challenges are, and then, I, then, then we'll be done. I want to keep this quick and, and, and tight if, if I can. Number one is this. Um, number one challenge in parenting is this. You and your kids are sinners. There's the first problem. Um, you probably found this out, if you didn't know this, you probably found out that you're a sinner. Um, like, if you got married, you found it out pretty quick after the honeymoon. Um, because you end up, you're under the same roof as someone, and then they see all the things, and you see all the things, and you used to get away with it, and your roommate wouldn't tell you, but now you're married, and they're kind of like, I ain't putting up with this forever. So, you know, you start figuring out really quickly, hopefully, that you, you are not perfect, and you're a sinner, and you've got problems, and she's a sinner, and he's a sinner, and like, and you put them under the same roof, there's problems that are, this is not going to go well. And then add in children who are also sinners, right? They are going to disobey because they want ice cream and they want to stay up too late and you watch them do these things and lie and then they, and they want to like stay out with their friends and then you can watch them start to make bad relationship choices and you're like, oh, this isn't going to go well, kid, listen to me, you know, and, and you can see this thing and the reason they do those things is because they are sinners. Not only are they disobeying you, but they're disobeying God. They, they are turning away from him in various ways and, and going, they're saying, this is what God wants for my life. Mm, no, I'm going to do something else. I would rather um, do, do these other things because they have desires that are contrary to God's will. And you know what that makes your kids? That makes them very much like you, right? Because you're the same way, except you have a more developed prefrontal cortex and you've learned some skills and some strategies and you've kind of honed some things and you, you're able to handle it a little bit better but you are a sinner also. Um, and, and, and you need to understand that that's part of the game here. Okay, we're working in, in, a, in a broken system here. Whether, whether you adopted a kid, whether biologically kids, uh, what, whatever kind of structure you have there in your home, it's a broken system because you're a sinner, they're sinners, and we all are desiring things that are contrary to what's good for us and what uh, God wants for us. And I think... Part of our role as parents is to let kids know that they are sinners. Not just let them know that they broke a house rule, but that they are actually sinners who sin against God. Now listen, that is countercultural. That is unpopular. We live in a culture that is focused on esteem and um, trying to tell kids that, that they're great and perfect and brave and wonderful the way they are and there's nothing wrong. And, and um, I think that's a little misguided. Um, I, I, I think... We need to let kids know that they're sinners. Otherwise, the gospel will make no sense to them. Jesus is your savior. Why do I need to be saved? I've won everything I've ever participated in, and I'm wonderful. My parents told me so. 
No, we need to understand that there are just walls you're going to run into, kid, that you're not going to be able to fix, and you're going to find these things inside you that you're not going to like. And you do need Jesus, because I need Jesus, because we all do. We need his love and his mercy and his grace. And so we, we need to be reminded um, that that's who we are. And, and so remind your kids that, yeah, they're, you're, they're sinners too. You're a sinner. Everyone involved in this whole parenting relationship are sinners. So that's number one. Uh, number two is this. The system is stacked against you. Now, I need to be careful here because I could go super ranty about, you know, kids these days or America these days or whatever. Um, but, I, but I think it's actually a very biblical idea. The world... Uh, has a pattern to it. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect world. There is a pattern to the world, to the culture that we live in. There is a way of thinking, of being, of believing. There are philosophical ideas and beliefs that we take for granted as Americans just because we're Americans growing up living here. There's just a way we see it. And you don't even know that we're seeing it that way until someone wanders in from another country and goes, man, you guys do some really stupid stuff. And we're like, I don't know. I never really thought about it. It's just what we do, right? But there is a, there is a pattern to this whole thing. And that pattern varies in history, right? The way what we think is normal and good and right in America in the 21st century is different than what people think is normal, good, and right in sub-Saharan Africa right now in, in this day and age. They still see things differently. It's different than what people would have thought is good and normal and right in the 1500s in England if we were farmers there. Like, these things vary across, across culture, across time, and across the world, but there is a pattern to it, and there is a way of being. And if we could even just step out of who we are for a second and go, let me step out and look at what is 21st century America, what is the pattern, what are the beliefs there, um, what is the social and spiritual climate that we're living in 2023? I would, I would argue that the, the climate that we're living in now is not sympathetic to people who want to raise children to follow Jesus. That's just not on the cultural radar. If you said, I'm going to make disciples in my home, the culture is not really going to get that. Um, the culture is not trying to help you make disciples of Jesus. Now, people want to get like, well, the culture is trying to turn our kids into Satanists. I, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about Sam Smith and the Grammys and all that, we can, we can do that. Um, but even before all that, right, uh, the culture really, I mean, America, capitalist society, is trying to make your kids into consumers. It's trying to get them to buy stuff, right? That, that's, that's the thing. It, and if necessary, it will invent problems so they can buy solutions. You add into a, a, a founding document that says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the only country in the world that the pursuit of happiness is enshrined into a document like that. And you go, okay, so America is trying to sell your kids solutions that will make them happy. That's what's going on there. Now, if you want to say that's satanic, I, I, I get that. There, there, there can be some dark things uh, behind that. Um, but it's not, it's not all, all terrible, right? Um, that, that kids would grow up to be happier. You know, like that's not a terrible thing. I'm just saying that that worldview is not the way of Jesus. Jesus comes along and says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Following him, taking up a cross, like that's intense. Den- self-denial, 
Like, this is not the way our American culture is set up. For, we are not, we don't do self-denial real well, right? So let's just be honest about it. This is what is going on in, in, in the culture. Um, our culture is not helping kids develop godly character. It's not developing a formula so that kids can grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is, in fact, instead developing apps that work really well with the seven deadly sins and then marketing them to children. Like, that's what's happening. Okay, let's just be honest about it. I'm not going to go on about that forever. I don't, probably don't need to convince, convince hardly anybody. Um, I don't think Christianity is the enemy of the state in the way it is maybe in a communist country or something like that. But it's certainly not in favor anymore, exactly. But I have some good news about all that. And the good news is Jesus knew that would happen and promised that to us. John chapter 15, this is what he says to his followers. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. This is not a surprise to God. There's nothing going on culturally um, that God was like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Like, no, he, he knows, he told us, this is not, the culture's not going to be on your side on these things. So those are two big challenges. One is that you and your kids are sinners. That's a challenge of parenting. Two, the system is stacked against you. But I would even maybe take it even further. The system is, is actually a little bigger than we think. It, because where Paul goes, he talks about husbands and wives. He talks about parents. He talks about um, slaves and masters. And then in uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10, listen to what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Listen to this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We should probably memorize that. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Like, there's a spiritual side to some of this stuff. Not every struggle is a physical struggle. Not every problem is just bad brain chemistry. Not every challenge is not is that we didn't have enough education. Um, there are demonic spiritual things happening in the world. There are angels and demons at play. There's an unseen spiritual reality to things. Now, that's not everything. Sometimes bad things happen because we do stupid things. You know the, you know the phrase, right? You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. But also... Sometimes there's more going on than that. There's more going on than you just had some chemicals in the brain or you just have too much desire and you desired some bad things. There are angelic and demonic powers. And so I think there are demonic challenges in parenting too. Now the obvious joke here is that when your toddler has a meltdown, it's demonic. Um, it's probably not. They just need a nap, not an exorcism. They're probably just a nap. It's probably blood sugar, whatever. Um, but there are evil things aimed at kids. When, when, when I see the rise in suicide rate among teenagers since the, really since Instagram and then TikTok and others have kind of taken hold, you can go, oh, well, it's like dopamine and, and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 I, and I understand all that, but I, I see something more sinister going on there. I think Satan does what Satan does. And um, little things that seem harmless, like let's just create a like button we don't think of what that's going to do to people when they don't get enough likes or when they're searching for the likes and the admiration and all that. I mean, there, there are some significant challenges are out there, and I think it's more than just algorithms. I think there are dark spiritual forces. Paul tells us that is the case, and I have seen that around me. 
Um, I have, as a parent, I have fasted, as in like gone without food to pray, and uh, I've fasted more in the last couple of years than I have in my entire life. Um, maybe it's because my kids are older. You know, they say little, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to a, a, another dad this week. We were talking at a coffee shop, and we were talking about challenges with kids and parenting, and, um, you know, we have big kids, so that's bigger, bigger challenges, you know, just different things that you run into. And uh, this, this woman overheard us, and she said, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to overhear, because we're talking too loud is part of the problem. Uh, she's like, I mean to overhear. She said, you're kind of freaking me out right now. She's like, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, it's not good. I'm t- I, just, I don't want to tell you. It's going to get real rough. I mean, it's, it's good right now, though. Enjoy it right now. If they can pour their own cereal in the morning, you are in the golden years. Like, love this. It's going to be great for about a decade. I'm just telling you, it gets really hard. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, like, I didn't know what to tell her. I was, like, totally freaking out. I, I, I was trying to be encouraging. I'm like, it's, it is hard. It, there are challenges. Um, big kids, big problems. Um, the challenges are real, and so there, and there are spiritual problems. So how do we meet these challenges? Uh, let me just give you a couple ideas, and then we're done. Number one, draw some boundaries in parenting that our culture is not drawing. Draw boundaries that our culture is not drawing. Do not allow American culture and what everybody does to set how you do. Uh, that, that's not going to go well because it's just going to keep doing the thing that it does. It's going to keep churning out the thing, and it's going to work against what you are trying to accomplish in making disciples in your home. So you're going you're to have to draw some boundaries. Now, this is going to look different depending on you, but dialing into your faith, following Jesus, and going, okay, what will this look like in our house? Um, how are we going to do this? Um, this is where I appreciate certain religious groups of the world. The Orthodox Jews really observe Sabbath, and they make it a, hey, we shut down for 24 hours, and we do a family thing. Um, even the Mormons now have like a, a home family night, you know, that they do every week. And it sounds like so cheesy sort of, do you guys play shoots and ladders when you do home family? You know, so like 1950s kind of, you know, whatever. Um, but there's something great there. There's something admirable there that you go, okay, we are going to intentionally step outside of the culture. Because if you don't do home family night, you're going to do soccer practice every night or whatever, you know, and then dance lessons and then like the thing. Like it's easy to kind of get sucked into the mainstream there. And so what would it look like for you as a family to intentionally go, we're going to do Advent differently. We're going to celebrate Lent as a family. We're going to, you know, every Sunday night do a prayer thing together. Something, we're going to read scripture, just something to set aside um, uh, and, and say we're going to do some different rituals and some different rhythms than the rest of uh, Amer- the American culture and, and sort of the grain. Um, I, I do think we're going to need to be different and pass that on. That's going to be part of parenting. Um, let me give you one other boundary, an example that I can give you, and you probably all know what I'm about to say because uh, this is my thing. Um, teenagers and self smartphones. Um, I, I was on a panel a couple years ago, and it was me as a pastor. This was like five years ago. It was me as a pastor, and then it was a guy who worked in like the FBI and worked with like predators online, and then there was this woman who like worked in cybersecurity to defend America against the Russians, and then me. Um, and we talked about, we were the panel, and we were talking about uh, uh, phone usage and, and they're talking about, like, um, what apps are good for teens to have and what apps are not good. And, you know, here, did you know this app can do this thing? And it's a room full of parents, you know. And then they kind of came to me and these different, the 
folks are saying this. And I, and I went on like a rant, man. I'm telling you, I went on like, I, I actually timed it. It was eight minutes of, of, of um, stop it with the phones, everybody. It's just like, no, like we're sitting here talking about like, you know, what degree of the sewer is okay to like play in for a while. Like I'm like, we got it. We got to think differently about this. So, so before you say I'm a hypocrite because my kids have phones, I'll, I'll just say this, and this is, here, hear me. This is not thus saith the Lord, okay? This is, this is one parent trying to figure it out and just passing it on, okay? Uh, our kids didn't get phones till they were driving or so they needed GPS or um, like employment required like an online whatever, uh, whatever. So like 15 and up. Um, and they were the last ones of their friends to get them. A lot of their friends were 10, 11, whatever, earlier. Um, and our kids thought that we were weird because we made them have a flip phone or whatever for, so, for that whole thing. Um, I, even one of the, the FBI guy that was on that panel pulled me aside afterwards and he's like, uh, my relationship with my daughter completely changed the day she got a phone and not in a, and not in a good way. So I get where you're coming from. Um, and so there are just these unseen consequences down the road when you go down that road. So I, I'm just saying... Go lightly into that and really think about what you're doing and how you want to set that up um, because there, it, it changes things. Um, and this is a challenge if you're the only family doing it, if you're the only weird, if your kids are the only weird kids that have those kind of boundaries, you're the only one who have a home family night, you're the only one who doesn't have a smartphone, and this is a challenge. This is, brings me to my last point. Link up with others who will join you in the struggle. You need other people doing it too. We need to make this a, a community um, perhaps as a church, if we start as a church level, perhaps as a church, we can um, join together and chart a different course on this stuff. I don't want you to be the only freak parents that are doing the, that thing. Like, what if we all did this together um, and, and, and chart a different course so that we can make disciples in our home that our children can grow up to know and love the Lord? Um, Chart a different course and link up with others. I think, I think it means several things. Honestly, one thing it means is when we're here together, be here. Gather together. It communicates something to your kids when you show up. It communicates something else when you don't show up. When you say, that's ah, not that important, we're going to go do whatever. Like, be here and gather together when, when, when we are together. Uh, allow your kids and drop them off at, 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 with teenagers on, on Wednesday nights when the youth group gathers. That's a... That's a uh, that's an opportunity. A10 kids, there's kids right now learning about the Lord in an age-appropriate way. Uh, bring them to be a part of that so that they can grow and, and, and learn together. Uh, that, that's huge. And this is where I think we need everybody uh, to, 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 get, to get in on this. Um, some of the biggest impacts that people have on my kids or that, that have been made on my kids are from other adults who are not their parents. There are adults here who have invested in my kids. And I am so thankful for that. Whether they're uh, teaching in, in A10 Kids or if they were uh, working with the student ministry with, as teenagers, um, I just know that there are other adults that share my faith and who have my back and that they're speaking into my kids' lives too. And I need that and, and you need that. Like this is where even if you don't have kids, you can influence this next generation and do uh, incredible work. And so there's opportunities 
to gather, take advantage of them. TJ already mentioned we're having a luncheon next Saturday. Be here. Be part of that. Uh, the following Wednesday night, we are having a family service night um, where families are going to come together, and we're going to serve in Terrytown. And around 2010, we got different projects going on. We're going to have food there. Uh, our, our city council person said she's going to come and hang out and, and say hi to everybody. Uh, there's some good stuff going on. This is an opportunity for us to come together. You can meet other parents, get to know each other, because you need to link up with others who will join you in the struggle. I think parenting in the modern world is pretty hard. Um, I, my, my friend Brian that I mentioned at the beginning, uh, he and I were having that conversation, and we were just talking about things, and he said, man, parenting is hard now, and it's just... It's, it's harder. There's so many things coming at you. Um, and you're going to blow it. I've blown it. Um, it's, it's difficult. And this is where the grace of God meets us. Um, God knows you're not perfect. Uh, God knows you'll blow it. And he can cover that and forgive us. And I have to remind my kids or point them to, hey, I'm, I'm the imperfect dad, but you have a perfect heavenly father. And he will always uh, be with you. So, um, you know, let's meet the challenge of, of parenting. But let's, let's meet it together. And when we blow it, um, let's recognize that God, God has us and, and can forgive us. Let's pray. God, there are a lot of things stacked against raising kids to know the Lord. But it is a high calling and good work to be done. And so I pray that uh, you help us and help everyone in the room to kind of work together on this, that we will make disciples, that we will, um, uh, we will just dive into that thing. We will, as uh, Ephesians says, we will raise up children in discipline, instruction of the Lord. Um, and we will see that as our responsibility and our role as parents. Um, God, give us grace for when we blow it. We are sinners too. And many of us uh, had did not have good role models to even look at growing up of how to be good parents. And so we're, we feel like we're making this up as we go and trying to figure it out. Um, help us to do that well. And, uh, and may we look to you to, to guide us through this whole thing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.